Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Available to stream on Star on Disney+. Plus. The Oscar winner for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actress, Nomadland. My mom says that you're homeless. I'm not. I'm just houseless. Don't worry about me. I'm okay. Also the winner of four BAFTAs, including Best Film. Isn't that great? <laughs> Don't miss the most celebrated film of the year, Nomadland. Available to stream on Star on Disney+. Plus. Subscription required, 18+. plus. TNCs apply. By now, you'll know that now is the new name for Now TV. Brandon, could you have said now one more time in that sentence? <laughs> now, now, calm down. <laughs> um, guys, what are you watching on now at the moment? The Mayor of East Town with Kate Winslet is absolutely brilliant. I've only seen one episode, but I'm gripped. I'm the exact same as you. I cannot wait. And you know what I love? That it's one a week. It's like Line of Duty. They're teasing us and we have to wait to find out what happens. Exactly. We're back to the 90s and it's a good mix history and it's slowly playing out and there's very good actors in it so I'm invested do you know what I watched over the weekend guys what promising young woman oh it is such a good movie I finished watching it last week and I texted our whatsapp group and Brendan you had also at the same time finished watching it for the second time we did we just watched it at the exact same time it's Kerry Mulligan's brilliant the storyline is incredible Uh, it looks on the face of it like really fun and bubbly but it's such an important message yeah I love that the juxtaposition of the like the cinematography it's all bright bubbly but the storyline is pretty dark it's a very important story but then you see Kerry Mulligan's gorgeous shellac (laughs) all different colours Colors multicolored and the costume, the outfits, amazing. It's so, so good. I feel like I need to watch it again. Join the home of brilliant entertainment with shows, movies, and sport on now with a seven day free trial. This is TV worth talking about. You didn't float up the wagon on a bubble. I'm veering towards muffins. Stop making a tit of yourself and piss off. This is Shrine of Duty. Well, guys, we said it. We said it was buckles all along. At one point. Did we? (laughs) I'm sure we did. Someone said in one theory. We did not. Uh, Hello and welcome to Shrine of Duty. I'm Brendan. I'm Hannah. And I'm Rebecca. Okay, guys. The main word people seem to be using is underwhelming. It's fair to say that many Line of Duty fans have been left disappointed by the season six finale, but lots also loved it. Jeb Mercurio has admitted he knew attempting to explore the real nature of corruption in our society wouldn't appeal to everyone. 
we will discuss your feelings on the show's end after Hannah's recap. Reb has been reading all your social theories. She also has your lines of Juicy and what the cast have been saying. I've been reading all of your lovely, lovely emails. Thank you so much for them and we'll get to those as well. But first, we need to debrief after our press junket on Friday, which continued (laughs) unplanned all weekend long. So, will we start with... It was like we were on the bleeding show. It really was. Will we start with the the, the Friday experience, Rebecca, that yourself Uh, and myself had? It was absolutely hilarious. We got asked to do 16 interviews in two hours. So Brendan did eight, I did eight. And someone introed us saying, oh, when you can't get the cast, this is kind of the next best thing. (laughs) So these were literally, right? They were literally back-to-back interviews. It was really, it was one of the most fun, but most intense things I've done in quite a while, right? So you would literally be on FaceTime audio to like, BBC Cornwall, right? And you have seven minutes. Like, it's so... They send you a schedule. It's so t- packedly... Well-organised. T- like, Well-organised, really tightly packed. And so you've got seven minutes and then you literally... Well, you're you're still interviewing one of them, still being interviewed by one of them, and the next one is ringing you, and then you're just straight on. It was like my head was spinning, and also my grocery shopping got delivered in the middle of it. Oh my god, I was sweating. Um, I have to say though, everyone was so lovely, and there was a guy who was a producer on one of the shows. Now I can't remember what station it was, but he rang me pretending to be Ted Hastings. <laughs> he was obviously a huge Line of Duty fan, which I really appreciated. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Now, guys, you were on the BBC Breakfast again on Saturday morning yeah so I did a couple of interviews myself on Friday I had actually not planned to do any on Friday you guys were doing the 16 interview super junket like literally did more press for the show than people in the show than Martin Comston Jeb Mercurio Vicky and Adrian probably done put together um so I ended up doing a couple of conversations on Friday that went great and then myself and Brendan were back on the beep on Sunday Brendan was it yeah it was uh, we were on on Sunday morning it was a very different experience to the one that you first described Hannah I found it um extremely like laid back uh really casual I was expecting like when you were on the first time I didn't sleep the night before and I wasn't even doing it Same. this time I think because Hannah you've been on and Reb you'd been on as well on the Friday or the Saturday yeah, I think see, mine yes, was pre-recorded Reb. though guys yeah. which was great hang on a second will you just Reb tell us what you do it on the Friday because it was one of the most unique and incredible things I've ever seen the package they put together was phenomenal and there is someone called Josh who works in BBC on BBC Breakfast who is absolutely phenomenal at his job. Lovely he man. had such a vision for that package and he wanted the presenters to be involved pretending to be Kate and Steve. I mean, he was gas. I chatted to him for about 40 minutes on Zoom. I mean, I was going full conspiracy theory with all the theories yeah. and everything, but absolutely gas crack, guys. I mean, we had a ball, didn't we? We're very yeah, grateful. It was brilliant, but I think because you, both of you guys had already been on and done something, I felt less nervous and also, Hannah, because we were on together. Like, yes, I did get a, there was a, a slight wave. So like I had a lovely call with a girl I think called Emma the day before, like to do a pre-interview. Then another guy called me to do the tech setup. But it was very much like, he was like, oh yeah, your camera angles are slightly too high. Just remove one of the books there and you're good to go. One of your many one cocktail, of the cocktail books. recipe books. <laughs> Sorry, oh so gosh. many people commented under the tweet that I put up to say, um, do you like cocktails? They're not all my cocktail books. Like I think two of them are. You do well, make I didn't a good drink. I do, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely I do. candles in the yeah. background of your shot as well. Yeah. Guys, I have to say, Josh is an angel because we got asked to do the BBC again. Obviously, it's a complete and unbelievable honour. It's incredible for the podcast. 
But I was going for a few drinks on Saturday. So I was like really politely, but it was completely out of order. I was like, look, I'm thank you so much for asking us on. We're absolutely thrilled, but I won't be around to do a camera test or a prereq or a little <laughs> mini sure interview done all on that Saturday. The week before. Because I'll be out in the park absolutely pissed. Well, Josh, he completely understood. He was wishing me happy birthday. Mm. He was asking me how it went. He even texted after we done the live interview today. I looked fresh. He couldn't have been any nicer. And I think that helped us feel so relaxed, Brendan. But I swear to God, I haven't really been drinking since Christmas. Mm. I went for plenty of drinks on Saturday. I got into bed at midnight and I just said, please, God, let me wake up tomorrow morning. Brendan, I you ringing me. I had my mom getting up at six to make sure I was up to do it. And as I hadn't tested it, I just went downstairs, plugged in the computer and just hoped that I was going to end up on the BBC and it all worked out. <laughs> Thanks be to God. I also just want to clear up for the tens of people that asked the photograph in Craig's mom's kitchen. The big I painting promised- behind you. It's the big so feather painting. So many of my friends have texted me to ask where it's from. So it's actually from Michael Murphy's and a lovely woman DM'd me on Instagram and she was from America and she's like, can you tell me what shop that's from? And I'm like, yeah, it's from a gorgeous shop called Michael Murphy's, which is in the Airside Retail Park. I don't even know if it's anywhere else. I feel like I know that a radio he had- ad. I don't it's know. a Reese Pink logo. She went on and checked. Now, the pe- the print is still available, but it's currently out of stock. But you can actually have it notified. It can have You can have it notify you when it comes back into stock. So that's what that woman is doing. Is this then, QVC? <laughs> literally. Um, like, literally, Shrine of Judy sponsored by Michal Murphy. And then I'd also... Just like to announce that the two lamps that were in shot are from Ikea, guys. And thank you <laughs> yeah, so I much for your lamp. tweets. I have the exact same lamp, but I only have one of them, Brita. Only one. And Brendan, I have the candles that you have as well. Oh, I just stop. don't have the 75 cocktail recipe book. So there you go. Um, guys, will we also talk about how stressful um, yesterday morning just ended up being for me. So we ended up uh, <laughs> actually getting... <laughs> I think it's important to address this. Right, I had a shocker of a morning. Right, so we do quite a few. We do quite a few radio interviews, which weren't expected. And then, obviously, you know, the the we felt a bit flat after the final. Let's be honest. Early to do those felt like I was doing Jet Mercurio's PR for the morning. I was having to defend the show from a hilt. I was like, guys, I didn't write the fucking thing. Like, leave me alone. But also, it's still a great drama. It's seven a.m. on a bank holiday Monday. Stop shouting at me, okay? So then I'd done the few interviews in my bed like I hadn't got out of bed not a tooth brushed nothing and then as as (laughs) (laughs) it was 7am no I I know it's such a vivid thing you know that feeling with your tooth is furry oh stop they weren't furry oh and hairy um, tooth stop it (laughs) I have very good dental hygiene by the way I got it clean recently and my dentist was like clearly Brendan you were milling the gin and tonics the night (laughs) before you definitely had a hairy tooth could you stop (laughs) you do with the alcohol makes it too hairy yeah. yeah Anyway, my dentist said clearly I was bored in lockdown because my teeth were super clean. Um, So anyway, finished all the radio interviews and then decided I'd treat myself to a hash brown from McDonald's. So ordered it on Uber Eats, right? Now, guys, did it take, was it an hour and a half? I think it was an hour and a half, possibly two hours. Okay. And then, so I ordered. I checked back in a good while later and it still hadn't No, so I ordered a sausage and egg McMuffin, a hash brown, and they didn't have any latte. So I got an orange juice, right? Grant. Waited an hour and a half. Could have been two hours. It arrived. No fucking hash brown. 
Guys, I was livid. It was the, only the hash brown that I wanted. The muffin, I could have hopped it off the wall. So I messaged Uber Eats and I was like, guys, <laughs> like I was hangry. I was like, guys, I was like, half the order's missing. <laughs> the, the muffin is inedible. Give us a QVC cell the, here the muffin, now. How are they? <laughs> the muffin is inedible. I need a refund. And they went, <laughs> I screen grabbed and sent it to you guys. And they went, hi, we will refund you for, for the missing item. <laughs> Here, here is one euro sixty-two. <laughs> I was incandescent. The next thing, as I'm reading this email outside my front drive, I'm like, "What the fuck was that?" My absolutely wedged recycling bin had been knocked over in the fucking storm, and it, like the, all the paper and plastic was flying around the drive. <laughs> I had to run out, hangry in the wind and rain, trying to catch all my recycling, like I was in a dodgy fucking version of the Crystal Maze. I was not happy. Oh my god! You know when you're Meanwhile, so tired and hungry as well, oh. and you're waiting for the hash brown. It just doesn't it didn't come. The hash brown no. never came. Oh, I thought you were getting at least a twenty-five euro voucher from McDonald's. Like, one you know, sixty-two. One sixty-two. Well, I hope you spent it well, my pet. Get yourself a scratch card. Delivery um, would I- never. I mistimed an interview with Five Live and I was in the car, emergency trip to the pet shop to get tennis balls because Cesar booted her last one into a river and it's the only thing that keeps her quiet. So I was up there and I was like, right, I'm on Five Live in 20 minutes. Do I think I can get down to Nando's and get into the car park, collect it and get back before I have to do the interview, but had to do the interview on the side of the road and I could feel the Nando's going soggy and the way it doesn't deliver well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but guys, we made well, yeah. it through... We did, we did. And then I did an interview with the actor who plays Tommy Hunter. Oh my God, But yeah. I couldn't see his face, but I could just hear him. Brian's a lovely man. <laughs> well, Brent, er, Rebecca, his Nothing hair like was his positively billowing when I watched back the clip today. He looked incredible. Good for him. That's to you, my love. Thanks, Pet. Okay, are we ready? Oh yeah, that's me. Yeah, Jesus, Hannah. guys, we were shiting on for 10 minutes about ourselves. Season six, episode seven. Take it away, bitch. The episode opens with Steve Arnott watching back season five's interview of Ted by Patricia Carmichael. He watches as Ted denies telling Lee Banks that John Corbett was an undercover officer. Later, Steve meets Kate downstairs in AC12. They're both upset that Ted has lied. And while Steve pushes to let it go because he's headed for early retirement, Kate reminds her mate that they've often criticised officers who've taken retirement to dodge disciplinary action. Kate then wonders if Steph is blackmailing the gapper. Steve defends chicken licking a little too hastily. And Kate, who doesn't miss a beat, rolls her eyes and says, oh, for God's sake, Steve. Steve is saved by a phone call from Chris to Kate and the pair head to the warehouse. Chris has overseen a dig of the warehouse floor and found not a leg, not a Carly Kirk, a storage box. Let's find out what's in there, ordered Steve. In the next scene, Steve has finally responded to his emails from Occupational Health and he's having a meeting with, like, is it a doctor, a therapist, a HR manager? Yeah, I don't know. Just like the Occupational Health dude. I don't know. Nameless man. Um, Now, as listener Alan, who had an NHS email, predicted a couple of weeks ago, Steve is not in any major trouble as everything he's been taking is over the counter, but the doses are very high. Now, your man is sweeping through his notes on the iPad and Steve really has had a shocking few years. He was tortured by Ryan with the bolt cutters in 2012. He was fucked down the stairs in 2014. Actually, someone on Twitter, I think it was this afternoon, was speaking about the way we used fucked as a verb. Yeah. Because we were talking about Georgia being fucked out the window and she didn't understand. She only knew it as like the sexual 
like uh, with a sexual oh, meaning, but no. in Ireland, and I'm pretty sure England as well, fucked is a verb for pretty much anything that you want to do. You Broken, fucked it. Um, <laughs> ruined. Broken, thrown, ruined, negative things that are happening. So Steve was fucked down the stairs in 2014. In 2017, he shot Tina in the tit and was involved in two shootouts in 2020. So Steve is claiming that he's completely fine despite these many traumatizing incidents but your man isn't buying it now in fairness on top of everything else Steve did watch Tony Gates leap in front of a van yeah. and he was there when his love interest George Trotman was thrown out a bleeding window like you that wouldn't was be right. no you wouldn't be right after that yeah not at all so your man suggests Steve take time off work he refuses because they're on a huge case so then he asks that Steve vo- voluntarily surrender his firearm Steve will then need to have some more medical investigations and Ted will be advised so Steve is heartbroken and it's actually very sad and he does some brilliant acting here however he decides to tell Ted personally and he goes to his office prepares for a bollocking but Ted is just glad that he's getting some help and is shocked Steve thanks his gaffer and leaves the office Um, I found as well like when they were saying that he couldn't have a gun I was like oh Steve's going I was like Steve's not going to be able to defend himself he's not going to have a gun in that raid and he's going to die no, oh. we didn't get that much drama, did we? No. It's in my notes for later on, but I'm sorry, that was foreshadowing and it just didn't play out. It didn't pan out and they really had a good opportunity to do something there. You're going to take a gun off a main character. Let's see that play out later when they're put in peril and they need their gun. But they just didn't do that. Um, okay, Kate is watching back AC12 interview of Joe Davidson conducted by Ted, Steve and Carmichael. She's very conveniently managed to connect her Apple AirPods to a non-Apple desktop. Good for you, love. Steve asks <laughs> Joe. She's sitting there with two AirPods in, no wires and looking at the Dell laptop. So delighted for you. Would love a blog on how to do that. Wait, does that um, not work on every... Does that only work on Apple devices? Oh, yeah, Bluetooth. Yeah. Just, Can you connect it? Um, so am I the thing That's here? a question for Amanda Yao. Yeah, it is. Come on, Amanda If Amanda Yao, Yao could tweet us I whether think, I can connect well, my AirPods. Yeah, it's just Bluetooth. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an Apple product, does it? It's just not Bluetooth. sure. No, yeah. no idea. I'm not that fancy. I steal my boyfriend's. I'm going to be investigating that later on because I've often said that my life will be changed if I could only connect my AirPods to the telly and then I would have no reason to ever remove them from my ears. (laughs) Or to communicate with anyone. Brendan, my happy place. (laughs) Steve asks Joe who she believed to be her real father if if she didn't know it was Tommy. Did he control you the same way Tommy Hunter did? Joe doesn't reply but looks distraught and Kate stares curiously into the distance. So it's night time and Steve is driving and his back is Adam and Steph has left him a voice note wondering if he's okay as she hasn't heard from him in a while and then he parks in an underpass and grimaces in pain. Now I'm sorry but he wasn't pulled in at the side of the road. He was in an underpass and we've seen him in that underpass before and maybe I'm hashtag overthinking line of duty but I just want to know why he was there because on the third watch I found it very suspicious. So Kate and Steve are at the hill for a briefing from Chris on the contents of the box discovered under the warehouse floor. It contained a workshopped firearm, black gloves and a bomber all used in the murder of Gail Vela. DNA inside the gloves revealed the murderer to be Carl Banks. And the season's who done it is wrapped up 
And we're very swiftly moving on because, hang on a second, what's that? The box includes a number of other crucial pieces of evidence that have been missing for years. A knife covered in Manit's blood and Ryan Pilkinson's prints. A knife covered in the blood of John Corbett and Ryan Pilkinson's prints. And finally, a knife covered in the blood of, help me Tony, Jackie Laverty with Tony Gates' prints. Steve reminds his colleagues that Tony's prints were put on the knife after he was knocked out back in season one, to use as blackmail. Kate then acknowledges that the items were kept in the box as leverage going back years. Steve then asks Chris if there were any more items relating to Thurwell, Buckles or Osborne and we didn't get an answer. I saw a lot of people on social media were a bit put off by the convenience of that box of really important items. Yeah, a lot of people have emailed to say that's quite convenient. But it is, I guess, plausible because they do, they wanted to keep stuff to, to like you say, to blackmail people. Mm. So there is a, there, that is a genuine reason as to why they would all be kept. OCG. But it is a really easy, it, it was very handy for the, the plot line. Yeah, yeah OCGMO, because they do it with, obviously, the, um, the, condoms. the condoms. Yeah. So they've they've been doing this the whole time, and yeah. I suppose that that made them that made Ryan always be fearful of them. Yeah, yeah, and I have to say, like um, I said it in a tweet, we'll talk about it again later on. But a rewatch of this episode does help because when I first saw that box, I was like, "Oh, would you piss off magic box here to save the day?" And also, Gail Bella's murder was a huge part of the trailer, a huge part of the press of the show, and then all of a sudden it was just solved, and we didn't really talk about it again. Release the but podcast. On- release the Gail Vella tapes but on a rewatch I found when I calmed down a little bit and took in the scenes that I was actually a little bit happier with how things have panned out so back in AC12 Kate Kate and Steve meet Chloe and Ted in a briefing room Ted congratulates the duo on cracking the Gail Vella case and Kate plans to have the charges against Terry dropped Chloe tells the team that two bodies were found in Spain and they were formally identified as Senior Toel and his wife and the laptop with an IP address in Spain, it was a decoy all along. Go on, Amanda, yeah. I know, but I really wanted Jimmy Nesbitt to come in now, all guns blazing and loads of drama. Yes, yeah, Nigel same. Morton. Guys. And Nigel Morton, yeah, yeah. I really wanted the same. I yeah. really wanted him not to be dead. I may, I mean, it was I, wide yeah. open. Yeah. Does somebody say cybercrime? Amanda, yeah, was just outside the door and appears with new MSN messenger she intel. Was, I love this. She was like, sorry for barging in. I was like, you're more than welcome, love. Come in. Yeah, exactly. Well, literally, between Amanda Yao and Chloe, we'd be lost without yeah. them. Guys, they deserve they deserve to be invited to the pub with, with Kate and Steve. Yeah. Shocking. At the very least. So Amanda Yao has just interpreted or intercepted a new conversation which reads on the MSN, JD definitely high risk contacts in BP. And then a thumbs up emoji. Definitely is spelled wrong. Guys, it's the fourth man. Ted jumps into action asking Chloe to check the spelling against all their newly acquired Operation Lighthouse and Lawrence Christopher files. Meanwhile, at Brentus Prison, Joe Davidson is brought for a post-charge interview at the Hill. She's led to a white van by some dodgy-looking female prison officers and she's nervous. The worst one of them all, who is honestly almost like pantomime yeah, evil-looking yeah, in the yeah, face, yeah, she isn't really she? It's is, very yeah. over-the-top is sitting up front. But not to worry, AC12 are on the way. However... Mid-convoy to the prison, Chloe, who's back at base, reveals a production order for Joe has been approved and she's on her way to the hill. 
The requesting officer on the production order is one Diaz Chris Lomax and the supporting officer, Kate Fleming. Fuck that, says Ted. And the convoy floor it after Joe. He says, um, driver, put your foot flat to the floor. Yes. I really thought as well that this could have gone somewhere really interesting and it didn't. Guys, I had so, Chris Lomax. I had to apologise. I said, Chris Lomax, you bent bastard when I was live <laughs> tweeting. And then I said, oh, sorry, maybe it was Ford. But who forged that? Well, let's see how season seven pans out. And I do believe we're getting one. But Brendan, I completely agree with you. Someone should have died in this sequence. And yeah. I'm not being morbid. I didn't want it to happen. I was so anxious with all of the cast tweeting these like deeply sentimental, very like definitive ending style statements right before the episode aired at five to nine. I do think we should have had at least Joe Davidson or someone of that level of Chris or someone go because it was just not enough peril in this episode no, at all. I honestly think after this length of time, it, it genuinely, it's a TV show. We'd love, I think we would love to be sitting here now, obviously upset to have lost one of the big three. Yeah. But we would have loved it. We would have been heartbroken. We would have come away gone, oh my God, I can't believe Ted, Kate or Steve are gone. That was incredible. Oh my God, devastated. Missed them so much. Blah, 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 blah. I feel like that's where we should be right now. I, or even take time, a- though, guys, I'm relieved because I felt like the episode was a little bit rushed. And if we had lost one of them in an episode that like that, when everything was trying to be tied up, I think I would have been devastated. I'd rather one of them go in the final season yeah. when they try and get the top dog. But like, take out Joe, bring Kate's husband or ex-husband and son down there, create a bit of tension, like do something. It's just this show has never been afraid to kill people ever. Like Danny Waldron came into it. He was the guest lead for season three. He died by the end of the first episode. So I can feel why a lot of people are disappointed Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden a show that was never afraid to fuck people out windows, throw them downstairs, cut Candy Newton's arm off, take the guest lead out in the first episode, slit John Corbett's throat in episode four. Now all of a sudden seems to be holding back on doing, committing to any type of, of character removal. Um, yeah, and I really thought this sequence was going to be the one and sure where it happened. And surely would have opened fire as well. Like, they yeah. just didn't, like, o- they didn't open fire. They normally get out and they're just, they're shooting yeah. already. Yeah. I did think that was a bit weird. Um, but you know when they do arrest the prison guard to have a line of juicy? Okay, brilliant. So we're getting to that. And then just one more point on the sequence. Like, let's see Buckles in the back of this car getting caught or something like that. Like, just have the same outcome, but just... At- like ramp up the drama there was so many opportunities I felt that were maybe missed okay so it's all go we've got helicopters and everything next we see Joe's white van turn down a residential street it is cornered by two OCG black Range Rovers they prepare for an ambush but surprise bitch Steve is in the driver's seat with his gorgeous orange taser and loved it and Kate's in the back you're all under arrest goodbye Guys, it was, was a, a, the best moment of the episode. It was fucking brilliantly done. It was brilliant. But do you know what I just keep thinking, Reb? And honestly, I think it was the cleverest thing you said on this podcast. Your desire for Kate to be revealed as one of the helmeted people who were involved yeah. in the ambush of Lindsay Denton. I know. I, I think they might have all died, though. I can't remember. But couldn't they yeah, have just pulled know, a helmet sure. off and shown buckles? Couldn't they have had him in the back of this I know, car? Election. Like, yeah, have let's catch him in the act rather than have Chloe catch him off screen. I know. Imagine so having anyway, Buckles and Jackie Laverty like a, a scene of them or something. We would have all squealed know. if we'd seen her back. You know, it might have just softened the blow. 
We needed that screamy moment. And I think this is when the episode reached its height and it sort of slowed down after that. And that is normal for a drama. It's usually the penultimate episode of a series is where all the drama is. And the final theory, or the final episode is slower. But this is the big reveal and it just fell flat. So anyway, everyone got arrested, including the prison officer and Reb. Did we have a line of juicy? And Ted oh, sorry, says, wrong oh my button. God, was that, a, was that a cat? Was that a bird? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. <laughs> Sounds like a rat. Ted says, arrest her. Stick her in the back with her wee mate. I loved that. <laughs> they're gone. Bye. Um, okay, Ted congratulates the team and soon they're back at AC12 interviewing Joe. Kate is pushing Joe to apply for witness protection. Now, she's apparently off the hook for Kate's attempted murder and no hard feelings there at all as she worked under the coercion of others. She can live the life she should have lived if she tells them who the top man is, very reminiscent of the pushing Jimmy Lakewell in the back of the van to reveal his intel. Steve tells Joe that she was taken out of Brentis prison to be killed and that the order came from the man that she believes to be her father. And she's crying here and it's so heartbreaking. Her little face, I just think she's so adorable. My heart was broken watching it. So we never hear Joe utter the name of the person that she thinks to be her father. But next, AC12 are at Queen's Chase. Now, I didn't cop it even though we've been here before. Ted is briefing a large team on their plan to arrest the suspect. We then see forensics examining his cell, but they find nothing. Back at HQ, it's revealed that the man is former Chief Superintendent Patrick Fairbank. Now, this reveal was kind of lost on me, guys. What did you think? Yeah, like, yeah. I I didn't really care that much. Like, I mean, I don't know, because I, yeah, I don't know. I hate Fairbank. I just was like, oh, dear man. Yeah. Like, I kind of wanted to be Thurwell again. I just wanted to see Senor Thurwell on the screen. See, I think they were expecting this to be a huge <gasps> gaspy moment, but it just wasn't for me. We know he's and... bent and evil and awful already. Yeah. But that so was, he... did that not turn, you know, the, the search of that cell and I absolutely thought it was Fairbank at the start. But then when we come back to that later, was it not revealed to be Buckles holding cell that they were searching? No. So they searched Fairbank's cell okay. and found nothing. And then they do search in a very similar yes. way. Okay, Buckles grand. cell later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Um, so Patrick Farewell denies sending Farewell to Spain, denies ordering Gail Vella's murder, denies having a secret MSN laptop and knowing who Joanne Davidson is. As usual, Fairbanks denies everything and plays dumb. Ted storms out of the interview, his hair billowing in a light breeze. And just when all hope was lost, Chloe rings Steve. She's only gone and solved the whole bleeding case. Now, I was very confused by the Fairbanks sequence because I kind of went away going, was, was he ever even involved? Did Tommy Hunter and Buckles and everyone else he was bent at the time just tell Joanne Davidson that Fairbanks was her father, never inform him of it. And then she just always thought she was speaking to Fairbanks, but she was speaking to Buckles, Hilton, Cotton and whoever else. Or was he fully involved and has forgotten or was he involved and he's pretending he's forgotten? I'm not sure. I don't know. But it's one of the things that you just said. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, just I'm not didn't sure have entirely. a clue what happened there. Okay. Chloe solved the whole thing on her own. So she found a handwritten report from the 2003 Lawrence Christopher case where definitely is spelled incorrectly. Oh, and another one from Operation Lighthouse. H is revealed via the officer's signature 
on both reports. Kate, Ted and Steve are shocked. It was really Ted good because I was like, oh my God, okay. I was like, so back uh, from the, uh, the, the, the Lawrence case. And I was like, and they were still there in 2019. And I was honestly racking my brains. I was like, who, 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 who? I just kept yes. thinking Osborne. So yeah, did I. I yeah. just was like, Osborne, Osborne, Osborne. Yeah. So I guess that, well, it didn't occur to me for one second that it was Buckle. So I suppose that was a surprise, but it just didn't hit the way I presumed they when wanted they it to. When they said Operation Lighthouse, I knew it was Buckle's. Okay. Did you know, Reb? So I was like, oh, it's Osborne, Osborne. And then they said, and he worked on Operation, like, and this is from Operation Lighthouse. And I was like, oh my God, it's Buckle's. And how did you feel in that moment? Um, I I find the Buckles situation, um, what's the word? I don't mind that it was Buckles because I get that. I, I think he's the fourth man, but I don't think that's the end of the corruption or that he's the top dog. Yeah. But I wish we had Osborne on the laptop at the end of the episode to say to be continued. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm totally with you there. So Ted congratulates Chloe and wants to run off and tell Carmichael and save his job in AC12, but the mates stop him in his track. They make a point that this inquiry will throw the team into the spotlight. They don't know who to trust and anything that could potentially discredit them will be used against them, i.e. the 50K. They bring it up with Ted and Ted asks for loyalty in a very sort of like, it was a bit sly and it wasn't very Ted-like. It was he reminded, mm, He reminded Steve that he had his back when it came to the painkiller misuse. But Kate quickly reminds Ted that they, in fact, haven't ratted him out yet. And that is loyalty. Right, says Ted, it's time to clear it up. They all sit down. He was tricked into taking the money and it was found before he could return it. But first, he hid half of it in case things turned nasty and he needed to use it to bribe his way out of issues with the OCG. When no one suspected the missing half, he decided to give it to Steph. Oh, but Steve and Kate are two steps ahead. They chatted to Lee Banks and know that Ted ratted John Corbett out. However, Ted denies this. He admits to telling Lee there was an informant in the OCG, but not going into specifics about who it was. He hoped this would bring John to ground at the time that they were trying to bring him in. And when it got him killed, Ted was heartbroken as John Corbett was the son of a woman that Ted once loved, Anne-Marie McGillis. Ted says, if there was one thing I could take back, it would be that. What a terrible thing I did. Giving Steph the money was Ted's way of atonement. He then delivered the first of many of Ted's line of juices in the episode. Speaking about Steph, Ted says. What did he say? Who's going to judge what I did? Her, the law, my colleagues. God. God. That, God. Guys, this whole speech by Adrian Dunbar was so emotional. You know, you felt the remorse, the regret, the terrible thing that he did. He also delivered two excellent lines of juicy before that to Kate and Steve. He says, and that's the battle and battle we shall. And he says, you two look like you've lost the shilling and found the penny. I loved that one. Excellent. Also, guys, did you hear Suso barking there? Yeah. Does she want to come on the podcast? <sighs> She's trying to, but I've tried to distract her with a squeaky tennis ball. So let's see how we get on. Okay, here we go. It's the big reveal. 16,000 armed officers march into AC-12 HQ. A person in handcuffs exits a white van. His identity is concealed. Meanwhile, Kate, Ted and Steve prepare the glass box for the spectacular we have waited years for. The iPad is plugged in. Pages are positioned. Everyone has water and a pen. It's like those five minutes before you start the leave and search. You're just shuffling your bits around your table. 
Outside, the fourth man is marched towards the building. We see a dodgy runner, but nothing else. We're walking, we're walking. We finally reach the front door of the building. You popped off to make a cup of tea, do the weekly it shop, hang the washing. Sad. I was like, show it us some, for God's so sake. long. And Carmichael just watching on. And like, Steve then goes to type the name into the iPad, but you don't see it. I was screaming at the television. You've unpacked the weekly shop. You're back just in time to see the AFOs exit the lift. <laughs> lift. Meanwhile, Carmichael has been delivering one of her trademark stairs from Ted's office. We're walking. We're walking. We're in the room. The beep begins. The interview starts. And finally, three seasons of the show and 19 and a half hours of television since Dot's dying declaration and hate is revealed. Buckles, Buckles baby! baby. <laughs> it was funny because I was like, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And then I was like, oh my God, Buckles! And then I was like, Buckles, it's Buckles. And I was just sort of like, yeah, it's Buckles. Right under cool. our eyes. Yeah, we said this. Do you remember we no, did we a preview of season five? Yeah. And we were like, season, we were like, it has to be Buckles. He's been there since season one. He was back in season four. <laughs> He's going to be back again. I mean, we said it in Guys, our recap now, of season five. We did say it because I also just say, I, we all listened back to audio recently. Um, and in August of last year, the three of us hadn't a fucking clue who Buckles was. Like, we hadn't... Didn't know his name. No, we guys, we didn't, didn't know, know until was. Jed tweeted about it. In we were like, oh, yeah. August of 2020, we hadn't a Brandon, fucking clue who Buckles was. Brendan, don't on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, bloody <laughs> hell, Brendan. Bloody Stop hell. It. We wanted to have our moment that we said it once. But we, we did say it. it. We did say it, yeah. God, guys, we're good, aren't we? <laughs> I was really delighted that it was Buckles, guys. I wasn't disappointed at all. The only thing I would have changed is how it was revealed. I think we should have caught him in the action rather than Chloe solving it off screen. That is the only thing I would have changed. I would have put another big action sequence in there. I would have had Buckles in the back of a Black Range Rover caught in the act. And then I would have had Chloe piece together the definitely as proof after the fact. That's all I would have changed. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy with Buckles being the fourth man. But but in, in him in him being the fourth man, they did rubbish the whole H thing. H is not a thing. No, it's but four we high that. officers. It's not corruption yeah. doesn't end there. Yeah, exactly. Corruption goes on Continues. forever. Yeah. yeah. I'm delighted for you, Brendan, though, because H is over now. Thank the Lord. In the words okay. of Ted Hastings. Let's look at the evidence against Buckle's baby, which AC12 have in spades. A laptop was recovered from Buckle's prison cell, which was rerouting to an IP address in Spain. So we did see Buckle's cell ripped apart, as was Fairbanks, but this time we found a laptop. Conversations pulled from the laptop show a misspelling of the word. Definitely, his fingerprints are all over the device. He answers no comment when asked if he ordered the murder of Joe, Kate, Gail and Jimmy. Doesn't matter though, they haven't banged to rights living in an absolutely stunning red brick mansion in Edge Park. Divine. The property was bought under the company name Whole Ten Holdings. Now, Whole Ten, I think that's a golf reference. Is it Aston Villa? No, it's there. It's one of the stands. Yeah, it's one of the villa stands. Okay, fair enough. And Nigel Boyle, actually, the actor behind um, Buckles, is also a major villa fan. So I'm delighted for him there. The company also owns a timeshare in Gran Canaria with an estimated total property value of three million. Buckles is a millionaire, bitch. I was Devo though that the timeshare thing was to do with him. I re I know we knew like Kate was wearing the same jumper and blah blah. I still thought Nigel Morton or Senor Turwell. I <laughs> yeah. still was waiting, even though it was confirmed Rebecca. that he was dead. 
The property theory is my finest work on this podcast. It is. It is. All been absolute it was shite really then. good work. Yeah. It came to nothing, guys. It amounted to absolutely nothing. Either did Steph Corbett living with someone who was watching the Sky Sports. Well, season seven, my yeah, love. My love. We'll talk about it later on, but Tommy Hunter is 100% coming back. I'm sorry. Oh, guys, I said it to him during the interview yesterday. Well, tell us what he said. Well, I was like, well, Brian, like some <laughs> people on the podcast think that Tommy Hunter is alive. And then Brian was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be filming again in September. And then like, you know, he was doing a kind of convincing thing. And then he was like, or I could be lying. And I was like, ah, Brian, come on. We'd love to see you back, even though you're an awful, awful person in line of duty. Hey, Brian. <laughs> hey, Brian. <laughs> What was his accent like, Reb? Do you have force? No, no, I'm really bad doing accents, guys. You know that. It was just his normal accent, wasn't it? He's Scottish. Scottish. He's Scottish. 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 I'll let the Scottish people decide that one. Yeah, for God's sake. Okay, so Kate delivers a vicious line of juicy here. Do you have it, Reb? Okay. Always the same crap suits, dud cars. I mean, you never put your hand in your pocket when it's your round. (laughs) Oh, and Buckles wasn't happy with that at all. Adore. Door. But they're not stopping there. AC12 have found a second laptop under the floor of the red brick mansion with MSN conversations between Buckles, Lisa McQueen and John Corbett. He is firing out the no comments, but Ted isn't backing down. Do you have this line of juicy, Reb? Yeah, I think. The secret life, the big house, the fast cars, the bits on the side, Deborah Devereaux. Is that what <laughs> turned your head? <laughs> Jersey Deb. I think that's one of my favourite like line reads that Ted has ever done. I just it just keeps going the bit on the side, Deborah Devereaux. Um the most mundane, basic motive of them all, plain and simple greed. And then Ted puts it to buckles. How some people can fail upwards beggars belief. Line of juicy, your corruption was mistaken for incompetence. Now Buckle's ego gets in the way here when Ted calls him a blundering fool. They have played him perfectly. So he goes into this little speech. Yeah, right. I'm a blundering fool. I'm only the one who made total mugs out of you lot. Total I wasn't a little bit of a mug. I was a total mug. Total bastard bollocks. Um, okay, he then um, delivers his little speech. He says that Carmichael isn't in the room because she doesn't want to be associated with institutionalised corruption because officially it doesn't exist after Rohan and Andrea made that gorgeous statement at the bottom of the steps a couple of episodes ago. He then goes for four words. God, I was a bit fast so there, wasn't it? Because Hannah's on Zoom. I was trying to, I was trying to do both guys. I was trying to harmonise. <laughs> we actually should learn Bridge how to gap. harmonise it if there's a season seven. Okay, go now, this. go now. Okay, I'll do alto, someone do soprano, and then what's the other one? Okay, so I'll go low. I no, I'm that. alto, bitch. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're lower than me. Okay, let's try, right? So what am I, high? Yeah. And mine's going to be off as well. Okay, so I'll be in the middle. Okay. Today. okay, let's go. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Know, you're not meant to be loud. Sorry, I don't know where I was supposed to be. <laughs> Sounds like a choir boy. <laughs> We're walking in the air in the corner. We're walking think, in the air. I think the most professional thing for us to do is to leave that there. And if there's a season <laughs> seven, we can work on that in the meantime. We'll do a remix. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Okay, so I was very confused by the reasoning behind Buckles thinking that he ever could get immunity and witness protection, but I've watched it three times now and I have it now. I'm happy with what he's talking about. He essentially knows that the police are not going to want to arrest him, even though he's caused so much murder and mayhem mm-hmm. because it just looks bad for what they've already announced to the public. It's a very Jill Bigelow stance um, on how things are going to go. So, okay, Steve says, we'll think about immunity and witness protection. Give us something. So, Buckles talks. Tommy Hunter was the top man. After he went, and notice the word went, mm. not after he died. Yes. He went somewhere. Went. Bit. Tommy Hunter's in Spain. He's with Nigel Morton. See you next season. Thanks a million. After he went, they all split it into different OCGs. I just pass on the orders. It used to be Fairbank and Thurwell. Then it was Hilton and Cotton. And now... Now they've gone, it's just... And before Buckles can finish, Ted shouts, you, the last man standing. Now, what I thought was interesting here was that it was pairs. So we had yes. Fairbank and Thurwell. Mm. We had Hilton and Cotton. Now, Buckles couldn't finish the sentence because yes. Ted couldn't keep himself back. But it, is he paired? Jill and Osborne. Yeah, there's something going or on there. Or is and it Buckles Osborne. and Osborne? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So clearly they like to, the OCG like to have two people at a time. I thought that was great. And that's when I started to realize, okay, calm down a bit. I think we're getting a season seven because I think that's what a lot of my distress going into that episode was. I sort of believed it to be the last episode of all time. And then I was like, hang on now. We also had that production order, which I don't think they have time to solve. So there was a few loose ends starting to be left. So Buckles then admits to ordering the Eastfield robbery. He denies organising Lakewell, Thurwell and Gail Vella's murders. He just passes things on. They just kept asking me to sort bigger and bigger stuff, Buckle says. Ted then delivers an impassioned line of juicy here. I don't, I don't have it, go on. You're sitting on the other side of the table asking for witness protection. It's me you're going to need protection <laughs> from. I yes, love I that. that. And then Buckles goes, would you like a glass of water? Oh, that was uh, rude. Rude. I see a couple of people tweeting that they really fancied him after he said that. I thought that was so funny. No wonder you know, he does well with Deborah Devereaux and whatnot. I, I thought as well during this glass box spectacular, the camera kept cutting to outside the glass box and focusing on the AFO outside the door. And I was like, 
come on. And I mean, look, I know we've had it, but I was like, give us an urgent exit required. It just, the camera did keep lingering on oh, the AFO at the door. Yeah. I was waiting for Chris Lomax to yeah. come in and say, I was waiting for it. Lads, it would have been brilliant. It just would have been brilliant. So now AC12 um, understand the mergers of Senor Thorwell and Jimmy Lakewell. But Gail was different. The OCG had no good reason to order such a high-profile assassination, they put it to Buckles. Yeah. But Buckles and Osborne did. Yes. If Gail's investigation into the corrupt Lawrence Christopher case came to light, they were in big trouble. Uh-oh. If, Buckle, if Buckles answers, he will then implicate either himself or... Osborne or both, if he doesn't answer the questioning, he's failed to cooperate, making him ineligible for witness protection. And that Ian Love is a check mate. It Ted was says, so fucking good. No one it, makes mugs out of AC12. Interview terminated. Now that was deadly. Yeah. But to be honest, I think it went over a lot of people's heads because everyone was waiting for an urgent exit required and your adrenaline and your anticipation wasn't letting you concentrate to the yeah. dialogue which was actually brilliant they yeah, literally no, did great. a verbal chest move on buckles it was so clever so i urge people if you're still disappointed in the finale calm down go back and watch it you will feel <laughs> how do you explain that really well though because he uh, i kind of did miss that gail vela thing and it's i'm like confusing. oh my god we we know buckles is the fourth man but you know it's osborne still like please give us a season seven please they backed him into a corner they were very clever yeah, like they obviously fantastic. had this game plan they were like he's an idiot and i did tweet prematurely again as I have a habit of doing that Buckles wasn't picked but what I meant by that was like he was the fourth man he was clever enough to tie it all together to pull the wall over Joe Davidson and Davidson's eyes to put bleeding golf pictures in his office and overplay it so much that no one thought to look at him yeah. but he wasn't clever enough to know that you can knock out witness protection without revealing information and the only information he has is information that would implicate himself goodbye okay <laughs> Later, Kate and Steve celebrate the big win with a few pints in the pub. No sign of Chloe considering she solved the whole bleeding case. Rude. Rude. And Amanda Yo, where's Amanda Yo? No, like literally Chloe and Amanda Yo carried AC12 pretty much single-handedly across the full seven episodes, maybe next time, Chloe. Kate hints that she's coming back and the mates discuss what to do about the gaffer. Steve is delighted like he actually has the biggest smile on his face when Kate talks about potentially returning to AC12. It's so cute. And then Kate says, do you have this as a line of juicy reb? You don't realise what you've got until it's gone. And then Aww. she also later on is like to Steve when asking about Steph Corbett, she's like, you might want to be careful, mate. You might end up on your own. And Steve replies, I'm not on my own. I've got you, mate. Yeah. Mm. You know it what, though? The, it was the first time since season one or two that I saw a glimmer of, again, maybe something mm. more than friendship between the two of them. Well, there was a little look. There was yeah. absolutely a little look. Yeah. Can I say one thing as well? We wouldn't have Please. got that emotional scene between between the two of them wrapped up if Amanda or Chloe were there. I hate to say it because they should have been in the pub with them, but I just don't think we would have got that look. They could have been sitting down at a table yes. and they could have had that moment at the bar yes. before they brought the drinks over. I agree. Well, I would have liked to see um, Ted put, you know, the card behind the bar because he did do that when they nailed Tilton. And I just think that would have been nice because there's been a lot of hard sure, the work man done flat by people. Broke. No, guys, the, the also like the merging and everything. They don't have the company card anymore because Osborne and Carmichael have got rid of that. It's miserable. 
Oh, do you know what? You're actually dead right. So um, Kate brings up the painkiller addiction and Steve is worried that he might be taken off active duty. Hashtag season seven foreshadowing. Sticking to one drink, she puts the tomb still early enough to drive up to Liverpool. Looks like he's going to knock it on the head with Steph, though, as he's got you, mate. Now, your man from occupational health is back. We presume he's talking to see, but surprise, bitch, it's Kate. She chats about Josh keeping her going and working with one of the best, she says. Line of juicy. Go on. To be honest, I don't know what I'd do without him about Aww, Steve. It's a really so lovely... It's a mate moment. Yeah, people were kind of saying that they were confused about why Kate was in occupational health, but it's because she killed Ryan. I know that they don't know that, but maybe they said, oh, she should go and have a chat because she witnessed, like, she nearly died, basically. Yeah, fair enough. I, I did, on... I felt like from, from I felt like this part of the episode, it was just, a bit, bits were just kind of shoved Everything's rushed in. from here on. It just felt all a bit shoved yeah. in and, and sort of just didn't just sit right with me. But look, no, it was shoved show. in. Don't get me wrong. Now, this was very bitty and a lot of the scenes didn't roll into each other. Like totally it was night agree, to day. Yeah. It was here to there. But I was on BBC Radio Nottingham with the lovely Mark and they're just such lovely people there. They've had us on every week, basically. Um, earlier on, and they asked me that question and I'm like, guys, Joe Davidson tried to have Kate murdered. murdered. She saw your one being murdered in the lake and Terry being saved. She had to work with Ryan, who was a murderer. Like, she thought the gaffer was turning on her. Her mate has a painkiller addiction. She's in the middle of a divorce. She is co-parenting and doesn't get to see her son as much. Like, one of those things would have you in therapy. Like, I'm delighted that she's looking after her mental health. Yeah. Um, Okay, so later, Kate and Steve meet Carmichael. Kate tells her that Darren Hunter's involvement in the Lawrence Christopher murder was deliberately suppressed, we know now, by Buckles, Thurwell and Osborne. And just a reminder that Darren Hunter is Tommy Hunter's son. But Kate has opened a new inquiry at MIT because she's currently heading up the unit now that um, Buckles and Joe are gone. Steve wants a parallel AC-12 inquiry opened. While Thurwell gave the order at the time, some of the bent officers are still out there, he says. Now, I didn't pick up on that on my first two watches. Neither did I. Carmichael responds with, quote, historic corruption cases aren't a priority. And here's our Ted looking very dapper in an open blue shirt. He's lodged an appeal to retirement. The pair then watch the chief constable make a statement on Gail Vela. He commends his officers and once again denies institutionalised police corruption. Ted is fuming and delivers a very lengthy, too long, I think, over um, or impassioned speech against the police corruption about truth and integrity containing a number of line, lines of juicy rebs. You have them here. None of this could have happened without the willful blindness of those in power and those in power should be held to account. It devastates me that we have stopped standing up for accountability and we've stopped caring about truth and integrity because it is these institutional failures that enable the likes of Ian Buckles to be corrupt. Gorgeous. Okay, out he storms. But hang on. Ted's had a change of heart. Back to Patricia Carmichael, he goes to confess about John Corbett and the 50k. What do you expect me to do with that information? Asks Pat. Drag it into season seven, I say. Now, he finishes by, with a word of advice for Patricia Carmichael, who is about to take over as the head of AC12. Whatever you do, do it because you care about truth and accountability. You do it because you carry the fire. 
Oh, I actually loved that now, I have to say. Same. Ted then meets Kate and Steve to dramatically descend in the lift together as mates as AC12. No, I wasn't mad on that CGI lift, lads. It was a bit naff. The CGI lift, it looked like someone put a television in a lift. It was a bit shite, but I have to say, and I've seen a lot of people tweeting about how naff it looked, Line of Duty has very naff bits. If you go back and rewatch from the start, there is such cheesy looks like the Tony Gates, Jackie Laverty, like Help some of those Tony. scenes, they look like they were shot in the 80s. And I'm sorry, that's what I love about Line yeah, of Duty. Okay. It's so cool, but it's so naff. And I loved it. The season wraps with a gorgeous sort of monologue, wrap up of everything, epilogue, don't know what you call it. We learn that criminal proceedings against Terry have been dropped. He has been rehoused and reunited with his girlfriend and family. Farida is out and reinstated to active duty. God love her, we haven't seen her in Poor Farida months. deserved more than just a quick mention at the end. She was gaslighted the That's whole time That's total bastard bollocks. It is. Yeah, she, yeah, God love her. Like, Darren Hunter is under investigation for the murder of Lawrence Christopher under the watchful eye of Chris Lomax. I'm telling you now, guys, there's something going on with him. Mm -hmm. Joe Davidson is living inside Kate Winslet's cottage from the holiday, complete with new girlfriend and dog and the most stunning driveway anyone's ever seen. Buckles is banged up in a maroon fruit of the loom as he is in the vulnerable prisoners unit with immunity potentially on the way. The anti-corruption merger continues. And meanwhile, AC12's powers to curb wrongdoing in public office have never been weaker. And that, my loves, is A Line of Duty Season 7 wrapped. Hannah, well Hannah, done. You well really explained done. It so Fair well. play to you. I tweeted earlier, so Joe's uh, girlfriend at the end, I honestly thought she looked really familiar. At first I thought she was a pussycat doll and then I thought maybe I'd seen her in Emmerdale or something years ago, but I, t- I couldn't find, she's not credited on IMDb. I tweeted to ask, did anyone know who the actor was? Nobody knows, but the, the general consensus seems to be that she was part of the crew and just for safety oh. reasons, because they've been working together, that she just did oh. that like non-speaking scene. Oh, wow. That she may have just been part of the Line of Duty crew, but, um, but it's unconfirmed. Her hair was absolutely was, gorgeous. Yeah, some people thought it was Carly Kirk for a while in the first watch. They were tweeting us. Um, guys, I cried my eyes out when I watched this for a second time and saw Terry being re- when he got his, his home after. Yeah, like, oh my so goodness. Nice. It was so emotional. Um, and jo- Joanne Davidson, the dog. Yeah. Jill Bigelow would be yeah, fuming. Jill Bigelow fuming. It has been absolutely robbed of that. That's the glamour that woman deserves. Not like that Jill maybe- doesn't deserve it. Where did she get a dog and a girlfriend? And literally, the like that house on half a million. Like, come on! Like, oh, is I'm that available rest. in witness protection? Like, what the fuck was that? Maybe and how did she meet the girlfriend, the girlfriend so fast? Um, her jumper as well, very Sarah Lund. If anyone watched the killing, it honestly, her looked, jumper was it looked like an Eminem ad or a John Lewis ad. It really did. We got amazing tweets. First person, like, um, a bold move, dropping the um, John Lewis Christmas ad in May. <laughs> yeah. I saw another brilliant one. It's like witness protection and then there's M&S witness protection and it was like a shot of what Jill Bigelow got and what Joe got. And like, I know that Joe jo was coerced. I know that she had a terrible life, but she did agree to murder Kate. Yeah. Guys, like, I just I want to hear your it. thoughts on the finale. Like just a few lines each of like what you thought... Okay. I, I do want to know. I oh, I've notes. I think that it is it is a TV drama and 
Um, I, I understand that Jeb Mercurio was trying to draw comparisons between, you know, a bumbling fool promoted to the highest office and he, he used it to make a, a political statement. Um, and I think that's fine, but I also wanted more action. And, and I did want to lose in one way or another, whether or not it was confirmed before the end of the episode that Ted was being forced to retire. I wanted to lose somebody who we cared about so that I felt distraught at the end. I just feel like it had been building to that. Overall, I, 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 I was a little underwhelmed. I felt a little bit flat. I liked who H ended up being. I, I like that it's Buckles. He's been there since episode one, season one. He was on the golf course with Tommy Hunter. He let Dot into the back of the prison van to speak to Tommy Hunter. Yeah. Yes. Like, he's he's been there the whole time. So I'm fine with that. I just wanted, I loved the van switch. The van switch was fucking incredible. I just wish they had done more with that scene and the end felt a bit rushed. I would have pr- maybe changed the ending so that like we lost somebody and it just ended on a more emotional note that's kind of what I think I yeah I completely agree with Brendan pretty much everything you said there and I took some notes when I was watching it I wrote I don't give a shite about Ted and the money could this not have been dealt with earlier I really didn't feel like that was a storyline to bring into the final episode we saw all of that with Ted on screen last season we didn't need to see Steve and Kate figuring it out unless it was also us figuring it out for the first time. Also, Jed revealed to the press that after season five what conversation Ted had with Lee Banks. So it just sort of really felt that it didn't need to um, be drawn out, especially not in the last episode. I didn't feel like there were any major repercussions or payoff for Steve's painkiller issues other than his gun was removed. But that gun being removed should have had a major issue later on in the sense that he was put in a dangerous situation without a firearm. I felt the Gail Vella murder reveal was anticlimactic considering it was a huge part of the first half of the season and a big part of the marketing that the BBC put out around the show. Lies um, cost lives. Uh, they didn't, what? apparently. Yeah. Um, I felt the Fairbanks reveal didn't land. Did he even know that he was Joe's father? Um, I felt that, as you said, Brendan, Jed seemed to go for the realism, which I really like. He kept it real in some ways, but then not in others because he went for a very happy, clappy ending, giving Joe this Hollywood style finish with the girlfriend, the dog, the gorgeous jumper and the house. Yeah. But if we're going to keep it real, let's keep it real. Um, and do you know what? We're all sick of real life. I want to tune in at nine o'clock on a Sunday night to drama. see drama and over the top. I do. That's what I wanted from it. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I loved the buckles. Um, reveal as hate it makes complete sense it connects all the way back it's what I wanted in the sense that you'll go back and watch the seasons now and watch them differently however that discovery was done off screen it was Chloe figuring it out and then bringing the information and presenting it to the guys show us don't tell us yeah let's see it happen like let's as we spoke about earlier on let's catch buckles in the action and then have to go and find the definitely proof later on get him to write something down do you know what i mean i honestly thought when we saw the handwriting um clips ahead of time that they were going to get everyone to write a sentence or something and he was going to get caught out like i just wanted to see it more in action um i think it would have been cool in the end this is actually my sister's feedback 
if he ended up being a genius if we had this almost like promising young woman moment in the glass box where he gets yes. caught and his personality changes and I you're wanted like, to oh, see Ross Horn went all badass when she was pulling yeah. out all of the figures about the masons and the women not being hired and everything she had, she was armed she was ready to go with all of that information I kind of would have loved that as well I agree with I everything you guys are saying that, but then I went on the rewatch. I was like, actually, I get the point that Jed is making that he's an idiot and he didn't need to be a mastermind to tie it all together. Um, where was Chloe's commendation? Like every time another officer, Doc, Kate or Steve has done um, police work to that level, they always end in that little epilogue at the end with a commendation. I felt there was no sort of payoff for her. And um, I can't decide whether I felt it was rushed or too slow. I kind of feel like a 90 minute episode cutting out some of the stuff would have actually been way better and way more ramped up. And I really can't figure out if I felt there was too much story in there, like the random, like Kate having therapy, or whether there was too little. So look, there are my thoughts, but I have to say, I really liked it. I'm really happy with Buckles. And my main thought finishing the episode, before I went on Twitter, I was actually really surprised by everyone's reaction, was relief that it looks like we're getting a season seven. In the words of Ted Hastings, I need more. I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, Obviously, police corruption doesn't end with just a fourth person. Um, I thought, I still think that it's Chief Constable Osborne and he now has his close colleagues working in AC12, which is so suspicious. Yeah. And that was something that I missed on the first watch at the very end. So I'm hoping that Ted, Kate and Steve take him down next season once it's confirmed. Now, obviously, there's mixed responses, guys. And it is in a way more realistic because in life, corruption is covered up. The baddies don't get their comeuppance and sometimes you don't get all the answers, okay? But... Regardless of how you felt about the finale, I thought season six was a triumph. I thought it was fantastic. I thought that the cliffhangers, the chases, the shootouts, I mean, we were gifted every single week for the last seven weeks. There's no TV show like it. Episode five was just unbelievable. Just because you don't like one finale doesn't mean the show isn't incredible and the cast, crew and the writer aren't fantastic. Um, Ted said to Carmichael, carry the fire. And I think that's what us fans have to do. We have to carry the fire for Line of Duty, for AC12, our beloved trio, and our passion for it. And we'll get some more. Let's just hope we get some more. Yeah, and just to make one more point is that good TV and good writing is meant to make you have a reaction. It's meant to make you feel something and to speak about it. And good art makes spark conversations and all that. And even though perhaps the reaction isn't what the cast or crew were going for, I don't think it was a surprise because they all knew that it wasn't this big shootout, urgent exit required season three, episode six style ending. It was a slower, more dialogue heavy ending. And that doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad thing. It's just not what people were expecting. Um, And we're all still talking about it. We have probably done our longest conversation to date on any episode because there is so much talkability. And I think with this season, a lot of what Jed wanted to do was to bring up the Daniel Morgan murder, was to bring up institutionalised racism and corruption, was to make his political points. As you said, Brendan, Gail Vella was based on a real person. Um, Do you know there was other, the Stephen Lawrence, that was a real person, the Christopher Lawrence or the... With Lawrence Christopher in the show was based on the Stephen Lawrence trial. I think he was trying to make people turn and Google and Wikipedia these things, which he's still done successfully, even if people aren't thrilled with how the finale went. Okay, some social theories, Reb. 
Okay, lots of reaction to the episode. Some were disappointed. I won't read out those. Uh, first up, AC12 Ninja actually predicted that Buckles would be H. On Twitter, on the 27th of April, they wrote, Jed Mercurio hates Boris Johnson. That's why he made the big villain, someone who cultivated a fake bumbling clown persona and kept it up for years. Seems to have come up with the hate storyline while writing season four as a new direction after the caddy plot had finished. And who did he bring back for season four after two seasons without him? Buckles. Um, AC12 Ninja has a great thread about this. Well worth a look, but really did have it have all had the answers before we got to see it. Right. Now, Apple sticker on Twitter says, What do you think Carmichael will do with Ted's news? You know, she's not bad, is she? Just a pen pusher that has been focusing on pleasing her bosses and hence her career at the expense of doing what is right. If I'm honest, I wish Ted hadn't told her all of those things because she can use it against him. I don't think we saw enough Carmichael in this episode, to be honest with you. No, she was just looking across as as Buckles was being walked in, and and even when Ted went in to 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 confess to her, which he didn't owe her, yeah, she just didn't really react. That I, much. Again, though, I do think it's setting up season seven because Carmichael has been working under Osborne and for Osborne, thinking that it's all gospel. What he does is great, and is that the first time she realizes that okay. she's yes. been working for the baddie? Yeah, I caught that possibly. in her eyes and I think we are going to be loving Carmichael next season, guys. I think she's going to, against everything, every fibre of her being, turn and do the right thing. Yes. Um, Feminist Killjoy on Twitter wrote, I love the ending. The institution is the fourth man. The institution that promotes corrupt men with corruption disguised as incompetence, abuses power to deny abuses of power, declares it is not institutionally corrupt or racist. The end is a needed critique. Sally agrees, saying lots of people seem to think there would be crazy stuff happening but I found it beautifully emotional and put the focus back on the big three and their relationship with each other. Now it was suggested by a number of people to watch the finale for a second time and um, one person did do that. His name was Matt Taylor and it didn't go down well a second time for him. Oh no. No he just said you know oh, Jesus, it hasn't Matt. got any better for me. He's like I just don't think Jed could write the finale or a competent ending so he wasn't happy right? Okay. But Pink Flower Power said as well that they rewatched and still think it went out with a whimper. Um, I get what Jeb was trying to do. And as I've said throughout, the reference to actual corruption added to the story. But Line of Duty is a drama. We need closure. I completely agree. Um, she also says, I'll accept it if there is a season seven. And I think that is very true. Lynn Brown says, the last episode needs to be watched in two parts. With the Buckles Glass Box interview being the start of the second part. I just went back and watched it again from there. It was immense, unbelievable. And it was pure greed and incompetency. Did I say that right? That foiled AC12, a brilliant ending. And it's true, Hannah, when you explained that kind of, that chess move. I know I'd seen it and I knew it at the time, but there were a few, lines in there that really do better explain the whole thing um, Alex B says that H was more recently confirmed to be a fourth person on par with Dot Jill Hilton not the big box boss and Buckles' smirk at the end clearly showed his satisfaction at continuing to protect the big boss and um, Mark Gray says, I don't think we have the full context of the finale until we see a seventh season. It felt like lots of setting up of future storylines as well as closing off other ones. Um, Monkey Can I Thumb. ask? Yeah. And just really quickly, I want to ask you guys, do you think if you knew that the BBC had confirmed a seventh season before you watched that episode that you would have thought it better than you did? 
I yeah, or even at the end, yeah. you know, to, if if because I think after one season it did come up and say to be continued. I'm sure that's if they did that, it would sit. AP12 will return with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I would have preferred that. And um, Monkey Thumbs on Twitter says series six was a great ride, a great cast, great writing, and great production. The ending was heartbreaking as promised, but let's not diss the show that has kept on giving since 2012. A great point. And um, and I saw a really hilarious tweet from someone called Claire Biddles who says. I've never watched Line of Duty, but my friend Helen used to work in the props department and once wrote her ex-boyfriend's name on a tag for one of the bodies in the morgue. It was so good. Like, that is like the ultimate, like, revenge against an ex. So petty and so brilliant. I I love love that level of pettiness. Uh, There are some of the many social theories that we got in. Thank you so much for getting in touch at Shrine Pod. Uh, I've been reading all of your emails. Thank you so, so much for all of your like lovely messages about the podcast we really appreciate them we've read and seen them all and uh, they're just lovely so thank you uh, the emails two categories the same underwhelmed so some of the loved it's um, Felicity says the more I think about it the more I think it was perfect for it to be Buckles the show makes us the detectives and for the last six seasons Buckles has actively screwed investigations up on multiple occasions but almost all of us have just put it down to sheer incompetence rather than being actively bent just like his colleagues at AC12 did throughout He's also anti-Ted. Um, regardless, surely the point is that it's not as simple as just four bent coppers, but that the police force is riddled with corruption, despite what Osborne and Pat tried to say. Finally, I'm personally really happy with the ending, as I'm certain that it's left open for another series. Actually, I'm also just going to really quickly mention, we got quite a few emails from people... Um, saying that they were unhappy with how the Joe and Kate will they won't they romance was never resolved and they yeah. said they they've said that this amounts to what they called queer baiting and it, and it basically they they're afraid that that some younger gay people or people who are not out will watch this and that it could be quite damaging and they've said that this has happened in a few dramas that like it being unresolved can make some gay people feel unseen or or um, yeah that it's that they're not worth resolving the storyline for so just a couple we got a few emails about that so I just thought I just wanted to I never thought of that actually yeah I I didn't think about it either Um, I mean regardless of sexuality or anything like that or what you identify as I, I do think in life you do sometimes have a thing with someone or with you know different people in your life and sometimes it just never really goes anywhere and it just ends because of circumstances or timing or different things maybe it's just that it was never meant to be it can't be yeah totally because she's in witness protection and there's a few you know there's a a few things like that 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 were just never resolved so I don't think it's it's specific to them and their sexuality I I guess that that people have picked up on that though (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we have another email from Joe Gunn who says, okay, the country's lost it, but you can't really blame the people after the year we've had. 60 minutes could have done being 90. Some bits felt rushed. Uh, the ambush offering Joe four words, uh, even Buckle's glass box, less than spectacular until the mugs part at the end. However, and to say this without condescending, some people uh, will have got the point and not enjoyed the point. Fine. But many, many people on Twitter missed the point, even as Ted rammed at home. Yes, we thought we were looking for a fourth man who's a criminal mastermind. But twist, we found the fourth man, but we found no criminal mastermind. Just an incompetent, continuously overpromoted, greedy, bent copper taking orders from anyone who's willing to pay. And some people found that a complete cop-out. So Joe loved the episode. Claire Dickinson... 
Uh, I know the reaction's been negative from what I can see. So I just want to say I really liked the last episode. The more I think about it, the more I think it was spot on. I understand why people were expecting more, but this was a realistic ending. Line of Duty's never been James Bond where there's a big bad genius villain who is going to be revealed and caught. Organised crime is in reality more like... um, And we got a few emails about this. Hydra, is it like Greek mythology? The serpent, you cut the head off and another one grows? We've actually had a few emails mentioning Hydra. Yeah. I think that's what that means. That's really... That's yeah. A, um, Rickman loved the overall series, but uh, would have liked something a bit more explosive to round off the story in the final episode. Um, he said um, his main criticism would be that if uh, it was going to be Buckles being the stooge for the OCGs, which was believable within the story, that we'd have seen a bit more OCG action or involvement in the episode. Um, Rachel Byrne says it was the ending we needed. It brought together lots of loose ends. Gail Vella, the fourth man, Chicken Lickens, Cash in the Attic, Steve's Painkiller's Addiction, Terry, Joe's History, Hunter and the OCGs. Yes, we love chases and the shootouts of the glass boxes, but not all the time. My blood pressure and mental health can't take that level of tension every week. I feel the feeling of anticlimax is deliberate on Jed's part. It shows a slowing down of the pace. This gives us time and space to breathe, reflect and join up the dots. I love it. Some underwhelming emails then as well. Leah Martin um, sent us a really long email. Thank you so much, Leah. Uh, But said, I don't want to be too critical because I still love the show uh, and I love the cast and I completely love the series up until the last episode. I feel so sad at the thought of Martin, Vicky and Adrian waking up, seeing how disappointed the majority of people were because um, they were amazing throughout. I, I honestly couldn't have felt more deflated last night if they'd announced another lockdown uh, Joseph Williams says really disappointed why the fuck did the last 10 minutes feel like some terrible dream and the final CGI shot with the lift uh, Ted looked like a cardboard cutout. what the fuck uh, Rachel McCarthy <laughs> Rachel McCarthy says yes it felt a bit underwhelming but that's what Jed Mercurio does to you he knew what he was doing uh, by Stephen Kate's scripted reaction they were like that's it like that's it was right under our noses this what? whole time they were like, like that what? can't be yeah uh, Colin Dunn got to say slightly disappointed thought it seemed rushed uh, should have been a bigger glass box scene with Buckles and we should have seen more from the van being intercepted. Absolutely. Uh, Heather Smith thought the finale was completely underwhelming, waiting for an exciting twist to happen, but it didn't. Uh, Vandra Dyke says, uh, so many loose ends. Who forged Joe's production order? Why did yes. Kate and Joe run? Who are the OCG bosses? Is Chris Lomax bent? Why did Watts' his name say to Steve? What did Watts' his name say to Steve in the van? Jimmy Lake, well, we found that out. Um, why didn't AC12 cop on earlier and look at all the suspicious bent coppers assets and guys the last email I'm going to finish season 6 with is an alternative ending written by a man called David Waddington email to us shrinepod at gmail.com guys are you ready for this let me get comfy now and I'm really excited okay get comfy so David Waddington's alternative ending to Line of Duty season 6 Hastings, Arnott and Fleming descend in the lift, leaving AC12 building. Night outside, cut to the grill crossing road. Followed a brief goodbye as Hastings goes in one direction, Steve and Kate in another. Arnott and Fleming seen walking, then turn down a side street and walk into a deserted car park. D.I. Arnott says, lift mate. Fleming goes, cheers mate. Fleming and Arnott approach Steve's car and he unlocks it. They hover, study to the side of the car, ready to open the doors and climb in. Looking at Steve, Fleming says... So where do we go from here? Arnott smiles and looks set to respond. Out of shot, a male voice says, this is as far as you both go. (gasps) Cut to Arnott's puzzled reaction. Gaffer? Hastings emerges from the shadows, suppressed pistol in hand, (gasps) fires gun. 
Kate drops to the floor, presumed dead. Arnett, gaffer, why? Kate, oh my God, Kate. He scrabbles around the vehicle to Kate's side, kneeling. With gun pointing to Steve, H, where do you think the OCG got the idea of planting their own as police officers? My people came up with that a long time ago, fella. We invented deep, deep undercover. Even (sighs) after I'd served my purpose and the troubles were behind us, I've enjoyed taking the likes of you for a haven't I? Headlights flash across Arnott's confused and panic-stricken face. Cut to a black Range Rover, pulls up close to scene. The driver's door opens. Out steps, Steph Corbett. Arnott says, Steph, what the hell? You and him? Steph, at the time, Steve, I said it was fine. But truth be told, you should have fucked me when you had the chance. Oh my my God. Pulls gun and fires. Arnott slumps over Kate's already lifeless body. With no remorse or reaction... Steph turns to Ted and goes, Ready, H? And Ted says, That I am, love. That I am. <gasps> Hastings removes suppressor and pockets it along with the pistol, turns up the collar of his coat, takes out a cigar and lights it. He walks to passenger side, Steph climbs in, driver's side, and they pull away. Driver's side passes camera, windows roll up as H and Steph exchange a glance and smile and cut to black. Oh my God, someone give Uh-oh. that man a job. I'm sweating as David if that actually David Waddington, happened. thank you David so Waddington much is going to be writing a BBC drama. For that alternative drama. ending, it was incredible. But David Waddington, that's what everyone was expecting on Sunday night. That's yeah. the level of deceit and twist yeah. that, that 11 million people sat down waiting for. And that's why maybe certain amazing parts of the show maybe went over people's heads or, do you know what I mean? That's what we were waiting for. Oh, I don't know. Now I'm kind of like, geez, that would have been brilliant if it actually happened. Yeah, we were waiting for an urgent exit required. Um, now I'm going to move on quickly to what Jed said. Um, he previously told people to watch the finale to the very end. So that's why I thought that there was going to be a to be continued. What were we watching to the end for? Was it Buckles a smirk? Vigil, I think. The trailer for Vigil. Ah, guys, stop. That, no. Saran Jones being airlifted into a submarine. I know, but like, me. why would Jed oh. be... Um, I know, but it looks amazing, but why would Jed be like, watch the end of this to just see what a different series is Because he wrote it. He's oh, did he, it. Yeah, did he write his. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, Jed. Sorry, I get it now. Um, Okay, well, Jed obviously put up a cryptic tweet after the finale saying carry the fire and he turned off the comments because people were going mad on Twitter. He was speaking to Craig Parkinson on the BBC podcast and he said, yeah, it was really interesting chat. He he said that he wanted, uh, you know, the hate reveal to be someone who's been there since the start, someone who doesn't care about honesty or integrity and could be open to being easily groomed by the OCG. He said the audience had built up this criminal mastermind in their heads and that Buckles was behind bars for half the season so it really threw people off the scent yeah which it did yeah Yeah, brilliant Um, it was announced that Line of Duty broke modern UK viewing records for the BBC it was the most watched drama in decades with almost 13 million people tuning in on Sunday night Jed has responded to an article about this on Twitter that Brenton touched on earlier on he said we're honoured and flattered by the viewing figures we knew attempting to explore the real nature of corruption in our society wouldn't appeal to everyone but we do sincerely thank you all for watching it has been our privilege to share your Sunday nights Um, Martin Comston also put up a big post about the finale 
Valley and he said you know we've been blown away by the response we fully understand it wasn't the urgent exit type of ending but we do appreciate you sticking with us and he said finally myself Vicky and Adrian and Jed made an agreement um, in the inconceivable and ridiculous scenario that we ever got to 12 million viewers that we would get AC 12 million tattoos we'll see who's good in their word <laughs> or to their word and, I wonder and will they check and lick and out imagine and obviously the big question on everyone's lips is is there going to be uh, season 7 well Charlotte Moore who is the chief content officer in the BBC says she is looking forward to having a conversation with the team about where yes. we go next and what the future of the series might be I think we'll all look back on this series 6 finale very differently if we get the epic season 7 that we deserve yeah I, think Reb, so. I couldn't agree more like we didn't cover the show live until the last season not all of the first four seasons ended massively or perfectly but looking back now it's the best show on television it all leads into the next series it all connects it all makes sense it's all true to the story like what Jed wrote is true to the story like you cannot argue that Buckles being H is the perfect fit and if that leads into a big massive major budget 12 million people watching a week season seven and you're been watching this on Netflix in a couple of years I'm telling you now everyone that had an issue on Sunday night is going to be happy out okay the winner of the season one to six Ooh. line of duty box set is Joanne Duffy congratulations Ooh. Joanne I have slid into your DMs to let you know um, okay guys that is it thank you Seriously, thank you all so, so much for listening. For every single email, tweet and Instagram message, comment, like and share. Genuinely, the support from you has been overwhelming, if only the same could be said for the final episode. And to everyone who supports us on Patreon, including Mel P, Louise McCourt, Rose Smith, Anya McManus, Joe Black, James McShane and Dan Kelleher and everyone else who supports us on Patreon, thank you for being ridiculously generous. Honestly, we really appreciate it. Uh, We wish we could say we're off on a getaway now to see Nigel Morton in Spain or Joe Davidson in her gorgeous cottage. But alas, we are still waiting to get vaccinated. So we'll just have to sit at home and stare out the window and probably scroll back through some of your uh, lovely messages and have a laugh slash cry at how fun it's all been. With a gin and tonic. With a gin and tonic. Uh, We hope to be back with a couple of cast interviews, fingers crossed, uh, shortly. And we are talking about what we're going to do next. So we will be back. The Shriners always have something up their sleeves. Guys, I, I just have to say it's been the most amazing eight weeks from when we started this to now. Um, and yeah, just thank you everyone for the birthday messages. That was a crazy week for the opportunities to go on BBC and Reb on BBC Scotland. All of the incredible producers who have asked us to come on to their shows. Like you've made days in lockdown so incredibly exciting and giddy and fun the messages on twitter the comments the emails the dms people following us like we started off this series with 7,000 twitter followers and i think we're over 17,000 now and every single person sending really interesting and fascinating emails it's just been a joy and a joy to talk to you guys every week to have people listen is just a bonus and thank you all so much from the bottom of our hearts 
Line of Duty has been the light of our lives for the last eight weeks and years before that. And you listening have been the light of ours. This show has changed our lives as well as it's changed the lives for everybody who watches it every week. So thank you so much for listening to Shrine of Duty. It has been an absolute blast and I'm excited to see what happens next, guys. And bloody hell, Jed Mercurio, you're probably not listening now an hour and a half after this, but please write a season seven because we need justice for Line of Duty because you're too talented not to do it. Please do. And thanks for thanks to you for listening until the very end. Uh, we're going to leave you now. I hope you carry the fire. End of your terminated. Go on. Piss off. This is TV worth talking about. So we want to hear what you have to say. Find Shrine Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at ShrinePod. When you find the right home, you want nothing to get in your way. That's why Leia Life offer mortgage protection in minutes, not weeks. Our fast, straightforward mortgage protection application process is the best way to keep your mortgage moving. No paperwork or medical, just a few simple questions and you're covered in an instant. Starting at €2.33 per week. For mortgage protection that's streets ahead, visit leialife.ie or call 1890 907 100. Insurance provided by IPTQ Life SA. Leia Healthcare Limited, trading as Leia Life and Leia Healthcare, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Your seventh video meeting of the day and you're starving. But what's this? You spy a bag of pop chips in the corner of the kitchen. Hmm, I know. I'll just turn off my camera and... Mmm, sour cream and onion. So good. Uh, what's not so good? Is your mic still on and everyone wants to know what you're eating? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, they're pop chips, popped, not fried, with less than 100 calories per bag. <laughs> That's all the excuse they need. Soon everyone's taking a snack break. Pop chips. Start something good. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.